available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruno Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football jam-packed show for you all today, lots of news and notes from around the conference. We're still in that limbo period with no Pac-12 or Big Ten football, but still ACC, SEC, Big 12. Look like they're going forward and having some football with a lot of numbers out there. We'll try to get to all of that and get to your questions. Some really long questions, uh, David. Our, our reading skills are going to be tested. I'm excited. I've never wanted anything more than to be tested on my reading here at the advanced <laughs> age of 34. <laughs> Try it at 49, bro. Uh, yes. <laughs> no, we are not. I, I don't think we would draw high marks from second grade at this point. <laughs> I suppose I tried to have an intern come uh, and maybe read some questions for us. And it didn't work out this week. So maybe next week we'll get that. But, man, there's some some long ones. And if you want to email us and uh, write us maybe not as long of an email, pack12podcast at gmail.com is the email address. You can call or text us at 424-532-0678. Been a while since we got a voicemail. Might as well send us one. At Pac-12 Podcast is the Twitter, the website, Pac-12Podcast.com, and Reddit, Podcast of Champions. Go check it out there. They put some questions up and people making discussions about what we talk about here on the POC. And as always, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps so much. Leave us five stars. That would be great. Uh, anything you say after that's cool, but just five stars is really what we need. We had a rule breaker this week. Oh, no. We had a rule breaker. Son uh, of a. This was Thoughtweiler, which is, I thought, I mean, that's a pretty clever name, right? You got Rottweiler. You got a Thoughtweiler. I like that. Yeah. You know? But Thoughtweiler gave us a one-star review. And Thoughtweiler said, I'm out. Dave has become more and more insufferable. And the only draw for this low-quality podcast was personality. Luckily, there are other options for Pac-12 coverage, despite Ryan pretending there aren't. You know what's interesting here is the one-star review, we obviously disagree with that. Nothing he said in this review is incorrect. Like, this is all right. (laughs) But the one star, just give us those five stars. Leave your review. It's fine. This is fine. This is great. But five stars, baby. That's all we're asking. I, to be fair, Dave's always been insufferable. I don't think it's any better or worse. I think I, right? I, I think I've, I think it's more acute now. Like okay. I think I am becoming, I, I am becoming like fully formed. So I think that is certainly a, a fair critique. Um, but not with a, not with a one star attached. Five stars, baby. Five stars out of fifteen. Call it whatever you want, but five <laughs> stars. Yes. Thought while so. you're coming back, you're gonna, you're listening to this right now. You know you are. All Probably right. is. Yeah. We got uh, five more. You ready for these? these oh, my are God. Too. Five more? Okay. Yeah. Oh, let's just have this be the reading show. 
Uh, this is from Daniel from Seattle. Five-star review. Uh, soon to be the only college football podcast. This is the only football podcast uniquely engineered. Wait, did we read this one already? I feel like we have. I feel like we did, too. Why is it? Hmm. Hmm. This is this is why we got a one-star review, because we're so yeah, on we're, top we're, of the game. Oh, you know what? They're out of order for some reason. So we only have four more reviews, so it's actually better. Okay. This is from Earl for USC. Five-star review. Keeps you up. To, no, this is another one. Oh, this is one that I posted on Twitter. Wow. We are really doing a bang-up job right now. Uh, keeps you up to date on Pac-12 football. Great source of information on what is going on in the Pac-12 football from USC and UCLA's reporters. So clearly he hasn't listened to the show. Yes. Earl, our friend, has not listened to the show. Well, recently. thank you, Earl, for the five stars. Yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, this is Adtron, you idiots. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine that's directed towards us, but whatever. Five stars. Uh, and the subject line is also five stars. Uh, 2020 has been a hell of a year. If a global pandemic, a president who would get a bronze in the Special Olympics, no travel and no entertainment is your idea of a good time, add to that cocktail with this podcast. It's a Pac-12 football podcast with very little conversation about football, which is a good thing because the Pac hasn't been good at it in a decade. Ryan and David are a fun listen, though, and do their best to be genuine and not homers. All right. Good. Very cool. I we, like we, it. We appreciate a good review. Uh, five star Storm Orbiter. Worst Disney princess podcast ever. I don't know why I listen to this as soon as soon as a new episode is dropped. To review this podcast in a fair way, we will distribute up to one star for each of the following categories. Disney princess talk. The Disney princess talk started out solid, but they haven't touched it in over a year. They haven't even attempted to answer the question, which U.S. president would each Disney princess be? No star. <laughs> uh, Ryan's effort. Ryan doesn't put hardly any effort into the quality of the podcast. No star. Wow. Jeez. Chris Cartman. Wow. <laughs> they keep saying they need to have Chris Cartman on, but I know that I'll have to wait 12 months before they get serious about doing so. And as a Sun Devil, I would love to hear Chris's information, which the show needs more of. No star. Football. They talk about football sometimes. One star. Comedy. They are funny. One star. Reason for comedy. The main reason it's funny is because David is a slacker and has earned himself low expectations. No star. David's effort. David doesn't put hardly any effort into the quality of the podcast, but he has low expectations and brings comedy and commentary to the table. One star. Wait, wow. You got effort star. I got I a don't star. You got a no star for effort. <laughs> Ooh, Ryan's politics. Ryan is an ANCAP. That's an anarcho-capitalist for everyone out there. And while is largely libertarian on social issues, he completely disregards the importance of governance and the understanding that we as a society should function together. No star. Yeah. David's politics. David is on the left side of history and recognizes how Reagan destroyed the country for generations. He understands the importance of anti-imperialism and how we as a society should care for one another and the methods we should use to do so. It's interesting to see the contrast between Ryan and David. One star. Please. Holy. Wow. Yeah. Listenable. You should frame, you should frame this review. Uh, this is great. Listenable. <laughs> I don't listen to too many podcasts, and it's good enough to be one of the few podcasts I listen to. It's wildly entertaining, and I've yet to figure out why. One star. Overall rating, five out of ten stars. Beautiful Perfect. stuff from Storm like Orbiter it. there. Yeah. It, it is pretty rare that, you know, someone is, like, more on your side than mine. So that's good. I mean, it, like, this is a – we need that. We need a little balance, it, you know. It's, uh, it's, what's the favorite line of the, um, of the, the white moderate? It's a silent majority. Silent, silent. majority are in favor of me. Um, <laughs> Rich Orman. 
Uh, it's a five star. Uh, the best, and let's be honest, the only podcast for Pac-12 fans. I listen to a lot, like a lot of football podcasts. This one is like my fourth favorite. As a Colorado fan, I might be tempted to be skeptical of homers for USC and UCLA, but these guys are generally neutral as to teams in the Pac-12 and are interested in the conference as a whole and not their parochial interests. I'm just waiting for them to come through on their promise to give each subscriber a Pac-12 Pez dispenser. Thank yes. you, Rich. Appreciate everybody out there for leaving reviews. Thoughtweiler, everything was completely fine. You just got to bump that up to five stars. That's yeah. really the key. And to be honest, we get we would much rather talk about the other schools in the Pac-12 than the ones we cover. We just know those the best. You know, it's more we talk about those schools rather, all the time. I would much rather talk about anything but UCLA on this. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, we got some uh, breaking. Oh, I muted that. So the hold on, I'm gonna have to unmute that. So here we're we're really rolling, but I'll do that in a second. <laughs> uh, breaking news. Do do do. Um, yeah, like there's huge layoffs. So we had our good friend. Uh, he's maybe not a good friend, but we would like him to be our good friend because he's such a good guy. Mike Yam on the podcast last week. And uh, he unfortunately was let go of the face of the podcast. Make sure you check out that episode if you didn't he's get it. He's our best friend. He's our best friend? Okay, yeah. yeah. We don't, I guess we don't have a lot of friends. He yeah. Okay, so so then the news comes out this week. I think, you know, Canzano and uh, Wilner, everyone was tweeting about it. Um, Pac-12 had like a, an 88-person Zoom call, David. And all 88 people on the call were laid off or furloughed. Um, it was basically all the digital folks. So anyone running their Twitter account, the the website, like all those people are gonzo. And uh, man, it was just like you knew something was coming. But to not get rid of any of like the senior leadership that's like, really expensive and you get rid of all these wor the worker people, like it just seems to be ugh, it just it's it's it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. That seems horrendous. Uh, especially since Larry Scott like makes like $50 million a year. Um, and I'm sure those 88 people don't make combined what he makes. Cause yeah, Kazano did a good column. Make sure you check it out. He was like, why couldn't Larry Scott cut his, you know, salary in half. That's two and a half million bucks. He got, I think he took like a 12% pay cut, which is whatever he's making over 5 million cut your pay. I mean, two and a half million dollars for per year. How many of those jobs would you have saved? You know, and the, yeah, I mean, I mean it's you're probably gonna have... what, like all in with health insurance and everything, even if they're low level people, it's probably 80 to 100 grand a person. So probably talking about eight, nine million dollars, something like that for yeah, 88 I'm... people. Yeah, I mean, it's, but you could save a third of them, you know. With... Yeah, no, I, I, I it, him that's not just Larry cut, Scott. That's, yeah, that's no, not even count, you know, the other executives and um, all the other things that could have happened here that weren't it, laying off 88 people. And then if you want to, you, you threw out a number, like an $8 million number, Kyle Bonagora tweeted out like from the 2018 tax returns, the our second best friend, Kyle Bonagora. No, nah, I know him a lot better. So I could say, you know, I've hung is out he with our Kyle. best friend. Uh, I don't, I don't think he likes you. No, I'm just kidding. Kyle loves me. Kyle is great. He could be our best friend. He actually, um, he actually whispered in my ear the other day that he likes me a lot more than you. Oh, uh, he did have a baby. Uh, so if you want to check out his Instagram, he has a new baby. So that was very cool. Um, he's up in the Bay Area, but he tweeted out the occupancy expenses. Uh, if you total up the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the SEC, you get about $1.6 million. Uh, the Pac-12 alone, $8.1 million. So, yeah, if the other four power conferences that make more money than the Pac-12 can, you know, have their living expenses be something that's what 
you know, a quarter of what the Pac-12 is doing. Yeah, a little more, you know, 20, uh, it, yeah, like 20% or something. That's that's terrible. And that, that would save so many jobs just right there, too. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's all silly. It doesn't need to be in, uh, it doesn't need to be in the Bay Area. I mean, I know that's where it's historically been, the Pac-12 offices, but you could, I mean, uh, Oregon is also centrally located between the Washington schools, California, and all that kind of stuff. Stick it in Eugene. Who cares? Stick it in LA. It'll be a little bit cheaper, but go to Eugene. What the hell? Why not? Um, It could be anywhere in the footprint. It could be in Salt Lake City. Who cares? Just put it somewhere else. But if you were going to do a, a TV network to not do it in Southern California, it just seems stupid, right? Like, well, that's so- really stupid. But if you're going to do it in a, in a stupid location um, where you're not going to actually take advantage of any of the proximity stuff, which was the reasoning in the first place, do it in the cheapest possible location. Like just yeah. like you could buy you could buy half of Utah with that money. <laughs> All <laughs> estimates inexact, but. Like your money would go a lot farther in other places in the footprint. It's not all a real estate nightmare. Like San Francisco is the worst like market for real estate in the United States. Like it's hard to get something for a lot of money. Um, and I, a shockingly bad decision when it was made. I mean, I remember a story about this. I think Gonzano wrote about it like two or three years ago, comparing it to the SEC where they weren't even paying a dollar in rent at that time. Yeah. Um, and this is, I mean, this is obscene, especially in light of, again, laying off 88 people who probably work out to about that amount of money. Um, and sure, leases can't be broken easily, but $8 million in occupancy expenses when no one else is doing anything like that, you can't carry that much overhead and also be losing in the revenue battle the way the Pac-12 is. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, not a good look for Larry Scott, but... You know, we'll give Larry Scott his props when it came down to him versus Kevin Warren, the the Big Ten commissioner, at least the Pac-12 schools. And maybe it's just, you know, the circumstances. No one's fighting it, that that everything was canceled Um, in the Big Ten. It is completely the opposite. And Kevin Warren's new and it's getting just crushed right now. They weren't very transparent. I think the Pac-12 was more transparent. They made some good decisions as far as how they announced this. I think the Big Ten didn't, and now there's all kinds of pushback. You got people in Nebraska suing the league. I mean, it's it's pretty much a mess there, which usually it would be the Pac-12's mess, but right now it's the Big Ten's mess. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's interesting. I think there's a lot of factors playing into it. I don't think the Big Ten rolled out their plan as easily and as like kind of cohesively as the Pac-12 did. Um, but I also think there's just some real, you know, and I. You know, there's just the political factors involved, which is with the states where these schools are. I mean, Nebraska is a, you know, it's it's a it's a pretty hardcore red state um, that I, I think a lot of the people there are on the well, let's just get this thing over with and let's, you know, go back and just go back to living our lives because it has become a very political thing. Um, and if you look at the schools that are, you know, much more gung ho with let's just go back who are protesting all this stuff. It's like a Nebraska, it's Ohio State. It's the ones that are located in redder states. Um, the Pac-12 doesn't have that issue as much. Obviously, there's Utah, um, and there's the Arizona schools, which are in reddish. Um, you know, Arizona's a reddish state. Utah's a strange red state because it's the you know there's a there's a religious factor there too. There's 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 different things that make it a little bit more unique. Um, but largely, this is a blue conference from a um, 
from a political leaning standpoint. And unfortunately, that has to be part of the conversation because that's a big part of what's driving this. Um, I think the 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 consternation within the Big Ten that's not present in the Pac-12. Um, yeah. You're just not seeing it anywhere near at that level because I think a lot of the constituent families aren't as you know hardcore against. And I think just the programs themselves are more in sync on this stuff because their state governments are more in sync on this stuff. Yeah. Oh. It's a it's a yucky situation. Uh Kevin Warren, I think, could have done a lot of things better, but I think there are some just basic factors that are just different about the Big Ten compared to the Pac twelve that are playing a big role here. Um and it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out and if there's any way you know, I'm still I I was still, I, I don't know, maybe I'm on the fence now, but I was still very hardcore. There's not gonna be any football season. Um yeah. And we'll see how it shakes out. Um, if we're a week or two from now and it still seems like ACC is gung-ho and they're going to do it, um, and then the SEC follows suit, well, does the Big Ten renege on their decision? It doesn't sound like the Pac-12 would, but with the Big Ten. Um, I think they've come out and said that they're not going to. Um, there yeah. was definitely some question, but who knows? Yeah, I, I know the Pac-12's backed off their the original basketball thing about you know there there was some news about that today uh we're not a basketball podcast but there's you know they've yeah. potentially could back off on that but that's something that's months away not like starting up in a, in yeah, a week yeah it seems or like football football there's almost no chance that it would start before january but um basketball maybe there's a chance but i think for the big 10 they might because there is such a public issue now um who knows whether they would break at some point yeah. But that's, again, only if the ACC and like there's still issues with the Big 12 ACC and SEC. I mean, last week it was North Carolina um, having to cancel practice for a few days because of an outbreak on campus that forced them to close campus. Um, NC State, I still don't think, has gone back to practice. Uh, LSU and Oklahoma in the last couple of days have each had, I think, a full position group who've just been out of practice. Um, Texas Tech, I think, had 21 positive cases and just they decided did, to keep yeah. practicing. And um, NC State so moved their game with Virginia Tech from September 12th to 26th. So we're seeing yeah. little little chinks, right? Like little Yeah, little it, cracks, but nothing yet that has completely um sunk the ships. And I was thinking by this juncture, the lawyers would have been putting the brakes, you know, tapping the brakes on everything. And that hasn't happened. That doesn't mean it won't happen, but it's making me a little bit less, you know. I don't think there's going to be a full season. Um, but once again, will they try to play a couple of games? I don't know. I guess it's looking more likely the closer we get to it. Yeah, it's I, I mean, I've definitely I was in your camp as far as like, I think they're going to cancel at this point. But then the last week or so, I don't know. It just seems like they're plowing. It know, does seem like they're just plowing through it because I was looking at it and I was thinking, OK, this is just we're going to show our best effort that we're going to try to do this. But then when you see something like UNC having to close campus, then that would be the point where you say, OK, we can't do this. The fact that they then just restarted practice on either Sunday or Monday this week. Well, if they weren't going to use that opportunity to say, OK, we're definitely not doing this, then what opportunity would they use to say that? Yeah. And then uh, Notre Dame, I, if I, we had uh, Bruce Feldman come on our the Peristyle podcast this week, and uh, he had Pete Sampson um who covers the, the fighting Irish was with 24 seven sports for a long time. And, uh, uh, is with the athletic now. And it, to me, it just seemed like that was almost like a linchpin school because they came out, uh, and said, you know, if there's no students on campus, we're not playing. Well, they sent students home for a couple of weeks and they're still playing football. So 
there's already some hypocrisy there. Um, but that's a school, David, that could potentially shut it down more for the moral reasons if they can only, you know, if it, if the, only the student athletes are on campus or only the football players are on campus. I didn't know this, but uh, if you're a like freshman football player at Notre Dame, you can't live with a football player. You have to live with like a regular dude or regular, whatever. Like you have to, so, um, they do try to make, they, they take efforts to try to make them feel like real student athletes, that they're students and athletes. And so Notre Dame could potentially pull out, even if there's not a lot of cases, just because like, you know what, we just can't, we, we would be hypocritical if we went forward and there's no students on campus except football players. Right. And then if they do, would the ACC pull out or what would, you know, I don't know. That could be the one, that could be a linchpin that kind of topples the whole thing. I don't know. Yep. Mixed metaphors. Um, yeah. So, okay. So there's also some uh, news as far as Woody Dixon, if you remember him, you know, trying to doctor all the officiating stuff. He was finally replaced. Uh, so chief of football operations, Merton Hanks, uh, seemed like a good hire. So, someone that you should have hired with real football experience uh, the first time around and not a guy like Woody Dixon. Yes, absolutely. Um, so good hire, um, seems like, but that's about all I got on it. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's just one of those things like it's, you're cleaning up a mess that should have been cleaned up years ago and it took too long, but it, at least it did. It happened. That's good. Well, um, and, and, and it's, it's really like, I mean, it's, <laughs> there's like a non-zero chance that the PAC 12 football operation is completely screwed for the next couple of years. Like it's real rearranging deck chairs on like the already sunk Titanic. Um, so very cool. Very yeah. cool. Good the time. divers are going down 80 yes. years later. Like, <laughs> and, can and you move that chair over there? Could, you, wanted... could you, could you pick up that tuba? Sorry. It's just not in the right place. Um, the, the, we know that the playoffs, if the season happens, that they're not going to include the big 10 and the pac 12. So it looks like the best chance those conferences would have is have some kind of Rose bowl thing. And we don't know about that. So I don't think we'll know more about that. Once this limbo period is over, either they start playing football in a couple of weeks. Actually, this weekend is going to be the first game, not a power five game. Um, are we, or, are we are we talking about the Central Arkansas Austin Austin P? I think yeah. I would I'm watch not, the I'm hell out watching, of that. I'm not watching this. I would watch that. the hell out of that. You know what I've been watching a lot of? What? Golf. For real? I've been watching a lot of golf. I've watched a bunch. I watched um, some senior tour golf. So Phil like crushed the field. He I was guess. killing it. Murder in the game. I don't know why it started on a Monday. Like, I don't know why that happened. But. I don't know. But that that course, like, I'm not a golfer. I've golfed shit, twice in my life. Uh, that course was like, wow, I, I want to golf. There it's you go. Pristine. What is that? Yeah. The, what, what's that one called? The Great Bear Lodge or some crap in the Ozarks? Oh, yeah. I haven't, I don't, I haven't really I don't seen know. much from it. But it, looked, oh, it, was it there's so many courses that are great. But, oh. yes, you get older, you'll like it. Nah, I don't think so. And I'm, I'm never going to be a golfer, but I'll watch it. That's fine. Okay. Um, and then this is the ultimate, I don't know what, uh, but we got the AP poll, the preseason poll. Um, and it included teams from the big 10 and the PAC 12. So Oregon came in at nine USC 17, Utah at 22. Um, and then the coaches poll said they're going to remove any coaches that aren't participating in the fall, which seems to make even less sense because wouldn't you rather have like all the coaches that aren't participating? Cause they have way more time to watch games than the ones that are. I, I don't get Frankly, it. They should be the only ones voting. Yes. Uh, but 
the polls are silly, but this just sort of like was extra proof how silly they are. Yeah. Well, actually, it would be great to do that this year because uh, it would be um, it would be kind of neutral observers, too. You know, yeah, rather than overrating a... their own teams, they'd be rating all the other teams properly. Yeah. They don't the have college skin... football. The, they should just do the college football playoff as determined by the Pac-12 Big Ten coaches. I like it. Make them the uh, committee. Done. Yeah. Call it right now. Do it. Yeah. Um, and then one last thing before we get to questions. Uh, so there's some negative recruiting. I actually had uh, USC safety coach Craig Navar on to talk about we, one of the topics was like some of the negative recruiting. And he's like, you know, it just happens everywhere. There's not much you can do. But uh, Brandon Huffman, um, he was quoted in the Seattle Times. They're going to have to deal with uh, the already permeating feeling that football is not is just not as serious out west. I think the good schools in the Pac-12 are able to offset that. And I've definitely talked to people that said, you know, they'll spin it as we care about the welfare of the the athlete more. And I, I think they'll be able to combat that. But if football goes forward, we've seen some guys transfer out of the Pac-12. Um, you're a grad transfer and you get a chance to play like right now and it looks like it's happening. Uh, I mean, I think there's going to be some opportunities there. But recruiting, I, I don't know if it's going to impact it too much. But if if some schools are playing, other schools are not, it certainly could have some kind of impact. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I don't know. That's one where it's. I think it's a little bit harder to figure out. I think the transfer market is an easier one. Like, obviously, that's going to hurt the Pac-12 a little bit. But the other piece, I don't. There's ramifications. I think you can pitch a really strong. We care more about player safety. And if you look at what's happening over there, uh, it it's not as safe. Um, we're always going to put the safety of our athletes first. And so that's what you're seeing here. And I think that's a strong pitch. And that is, you know, at least a big part of why they're doing what they're doing. Um, so I, I think there's still a lot of TBD here because we still don't know for sure whether all these schools are going to play. Um, and we still don't know for sure, even if they do play, how that's going to look, how it's going to work out. Um, so I think there's still a lot to be determined, but the messages obviously will carry some weight both ways um, until that is determined. All right. Well. We're still in limbo. Uh, we don't know. Dave's, you know, feeling that there could be a season now. Before he would just be like, you'd talk about the SEC schedule. I just, like, like <laughs> there's look, no season. It, it, but that's the thing is, like, I still don't think there should be. Um, I think, and not like just from like, a, oh, the pandemic. I just think they're opening themselves up to a ton of risk. Um, but maybe I misread how the lawyers are looking at it. I don't know. Um, I still like, if you asked me like point Blake, whether there's going to be a season or not, I'd probably still say no, but eh, the, the closer we get, the more it looks like a real possibility. Yeah. I'm leaning towards. Yes. That they're going to play um, it, but who knows? We, we don't know. This is, this is the craziest time. There's, it's usually crazy covering college football. This is the craziest time it's probably ever been. So um, we'll see. We'll see where, where everything goes. All right. Uh, anything else? Or we should take a break and do some questions. Let's take a break and do some questions. All right. Back in a minute. Mm-hmm. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on the podcast of Champions. We got questions. We got questions from you. This is, uh, I don't know, this is my favorite part of the show, Dave. It's now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always death. And uh, especially this week because we've got some, you know, some uh, verbose questions, I guess. Uh, do you want to flip a coin? You want to start? You want me to start? How would you like to do it? Um, why don't you read first one? Because okay. I think the next one is a dense paragraph, um, which I generally like to uh, s- sort of kill myself reading. Okay. Um, all right. Here we go. So Ryan and Dave, I saw the, poc- the Pac-12 hired Merton Hanks as head of football operations. John Wilner mentioned Woody Dixon was already in this position and Hank's role would be altered. I'm concerned in a couple of areas. First, will the school presidents listen to the recommendations of putting football ahead of, say, Olympic sports in importance to their brand? And will Larry Scott use this position to help move the blame for any decisions off him to someone else? Uh, what are you guys, What are you guys' thoughts on hiring of Merton Hanks and what is your understanding of what he's going to do? Keep up the good work, guys. To Ryan, fight on to Dave. Can you remind me what we say to other UCLA alumni? Thanks, Brian. UCLA class of 91. I think it's just go Bruins. I think that's it. Go Bruins. Yeah. yeah. I think that's that's about all we got. You're not a fight on guy. You could do a fight on if you want, you know. No, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, go Kooks. Uh, you know, whatever. That's a good um, one. Um, ASU's got a good one. The Forks Up, that's pretty good. Forks Up's good. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay. Uh, will they listen? So I don't uh, – I think we maybe sometimes talk in hyperbole on this show. I know it's shocking to you out there, the listener. Um, but sometimes we maybe uh, exaggerate for effect. I don't think any of the presidents necessarily think that the Olympic sports should be placed ahead of football. I think more of the question is, um, is there too much weight placed on them, especially for network, like, publication purposes? Like, the fact that we're trying to make these uh, uh, live programming 
um, for the purposes of the network. That becomes a bit of a silly jobby. Um, but I think everyone is kind of in lockstep on football and basketball being the revenue drivers that are the most important to the athletic department and to the mission of the school in, you know, micro, but certainly part of it. Um, and the Olympic sports are a nice draw and something that all these schools want to have. Um, but I don't think anyone's thinking it's, it's, you know, moving the needle a whole lot with the athletic mission. Yeah. And I think in this case, it's gotten better, right? Like they've shifted more and I don't think Larry Scott's going to, you know, hire this guy to be a scapegoat or anything like that. Larry Scott's not going to be around that much longer. So I don't think you need to worry He's someone that would be looks like he'd be from his resume, looks like he would be good at this job. And that's what you want. But it really was a shift. You had to shift the mentality. I think they went into this. You brought in a tennis guy and Larry Scott and be, they they looked at what they had. Um, you know, you're like on a dating site and like, what's what's good about me? Like if you're overweight, you're not going to talk about like your uh, workout regimen. If you're like super smart. You might talk about like your job or the, the degrees you have, you're going to try to accentuate the positives and the positives in the PAC 12 were the Olympic sports and still are. Um, but I think, so that was sort of the focus when they do the original PAC 12 network deal, they throw in like 800 something, uh, live sporting events a year. So that's taking a lot away from, you could be talking about football and basketball. Um, so that was a, you know, that was a poor strategy. And I feel like they underestimated how that's really what all people care about doing seven networks. Like it just wasn't, it would have been much better to do one. It would have been much better to partner up with ESPN or Fox, but their kind of idea was we're going to show a shit ton of lacrosse games and swimming matches and all this stuff. And it's like, nobody wa- you know, will not report. Nobody watches those things. Um, it costs money. You've, you know, hurt your distribution, like all these things that you could have been, excelling for the Pac-12 networks hurt because of this initial decision that that's what you were going to focus on. And it never really, as the media put more pressure on them to be good at football, it almost like Larry Scott doubled down to show them, like, look, we're good at other stuff. When the 500th, you know, uh, championship for the Pac-12 came out and it was uh, the Washington crew team and Larry Scott started whatever, two, three years ago, whatever it was, the uh, football media day with like 10 minutes on you know, the women's crew team from Washington winning the 500 championship. That was insane. Like you can't do that. No one would do that. Like, so I feel like there was just mistakes that were made and I think he gets it now. I think he's listened to the athletic directors more now. I think they're focusing, try to do better for football now, but it's just too late. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, and I think that is, that was a big network misstep. Um, and some of it was I think they thought they could package something and just sell it to people you know and just say yeah this is content that you can watch like it was a way to just build up their inventory not really assigning it a ton of importance but just saying yeah we can sell this many hours of you know you know time to you or whatever Um, but it has not worked out no poor 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 decision and uh, yeah all right this is from Mike from full sheer Texas Player pay. Ryan and David, the recent discussions about the players uniting their, quote, leverage and should they get paid has gotten me somewhat interested in the subject over this long, long offseason. I believe both of you have made statements basically saying the players are creating all this value and they should profit from it. And that has led me to ponder, have they really? 
I'm not claiming to know the answer, but if you think about it, college football is overwhelmingly played by players that are not good enough to make a living from it in a free market economy. I believe that the percentage of players that will make it to the NFL is in the low single digits. If you were to remove the five, uh, the top 5 to 10% of college players, say send them to the XFL 3.0, they never play a down in college, and then you play the college football season, would it make any less of a profit? Would we cheer any less when our team beats its greatest rival because none of the players would be drafted into the NFL? I just want my Trojans to be the best college football team in the country. I've never worried if they were good enough to beat a pro team or not. Personally, I don't care if the players are paid or not. If they are paid, I just hope it isn't at the expense of other sports and other college students. It certainly seems as if some things like longer scholarships, health care, and possibly a cash, small cash stipend would be workable in the Power 5 conference, but obviously I'm not privy to the university's financials. Thoughts? Mike from Full Shear, Texas. Huh. I think that's it's, kind of, that's interesting, it's, an, interesting, it's yeah. an interesting thought. I, I think, though, if you extrapolate it just a little bit beyond that, you generally move away from paying talent for anything because you would just say, well, if these guys weren't working in this industry or if they weren't working in it, we wouldn't know any better and we would just you know, pay the next guys the same amount and would it really affect the final product if it's all relatively the same? Um, you can make the same argument with the NFL. Um, well, if we take the top 10% and just say you can't play football, um, are people going to play, are people going to pay any less attention to the NFL? No, they'll just readjust I, I think their you could argue just, I mean, if you don't have a Lamar Jackson, like the, the exciting players definitely make it. And I think on a national level, like you want to see Trevor Lawrence, right? Um, yeah. But if you're a Clemson grad, like you, you could give a crap who the, you just want to see Clemson, you know, and maybe that's just built in. You have this built in fan base that almost doesn't care. Um, but where, it's, it's again, the Johnny Manziel argument, the, the thing that happened for Texas A&M where Johnny Manziel plays um, and suddenly donations go through the roof. Um, applications go through the roof. Uh, they put together these good teams and that was Johnny Manziel, but it was also that entire team. Um, and I, I, it's, it's a hard thing to quantify, but it is quantifiable. Like you can see the effects of winning programs over losing programs. And I think a lot of people are quick to blame players when things go wrong. Well, you also have to then credit them when the teams are good. Um, and if the team is good for a long period of time, that has a, a major positive effect on the university itself. So I think any individual's fan fans interest in the sport might be due to a host of reasons, right? Mike's yours yeah. and probably mine too is more about, well, I don't really care as long as the laundry is the right color, right? You know, it's yeah. about the uniform, but for a lot of people, they're in it for exciting players. They might be a casual fan or a young fan, you know, somebody who's 16 who doesn't really know what they want to, where they want to go to school or anything like that. But then they watch, you know, Johnny football making plays on the football field. And they're like, I want to go there. Um, and they fill out an application for the university, and that's money to the university beyond just the TV contract, beyond um, buying a shirt or whatever it is. Um, and that sort of impact, it it's measurable. You can find it um, when a when a program gets good. And I think it's 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 not negligible even as you go further and further down the ranks. Um, there's there's real tied to it benefit from being a winning program over not. Um, and I think if you're being intellectually honest, you have to ascribe some of that to the players themselves. I don't think you can evenly say we're going to take the top five or 10 percent away and just evenly disperse it. What that would mean, actually, is you're taking half of Alabama's roster away because they've got half of the you know top five percent of best players in the college game right now. Um, and would people be as interested in Alabama football if it was suddenly without half of its roster and had to replace them with just Joe three star? I don't think so. I don't yeah. think people would be selling out 
every single home game um, because people follow quality. So I think it's measurable. I think it's a really interesting thought. I think there is an element, especially in the college game, even more so than at the NFL level, that people are following laundry more than anything. Um, But I don't think that's all it is. And I do think there's real value that players, especially if they win games, especially if they're good, in other words, uh, do provide a lot of value. Yeah. Well, Mike wrote right back, uh, unpaid labor. He said, Ryan and David, I was deeply humbled when David actually considered my point. Oh, it's this guy. Okay, Mike. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He said, consider my point for a couple of minutes that a scholarship is a form of compensation. So he must have wrote us and then listened to the show and wrote back. Um, Shortly after, though, he veered off into a discussion of free food at Google, which is something I know Nothing about Uh, what I do know is that when an airline employee flies space available, they are actually taxed on the value of that uh, flight as part of their compensation by the federal government. Yes, the federal government actually considers the value of what would have been an empty seat part of my salary. It is my belief that students don't pay taxes on university scholarships solely as that is considered a tax break by the federal government, not that it isn't considered compensation. Since David did take the time to seriously discuss my previous email, I did want to apologize for insinuating that a college education had value vice cost, as I had forgotten that Dave's degree is from UCLA. Not really. Mm-hmm. Love the show sometimes and fight on. Mike from Full Share, Texas. Yeah, Mike. I mean, if it, I'll I'll concede the point. I mean, if you if we want to just say they're underpaid labor, fine. I mean, I, I'm not willing to like split hairs for at least three straight shows about what compensation actually entails. What I'm saying is, uh, or what I intend to say is that it's way underpaid um, and way under the value of what they should be paid. Uh, again, based on what we just talked about with the value of uh, quality players. Um, so, you know, the the value of the flight to get back from your job, the flying space available, that's not the sole total, the sum total of your compensation. That's, you know, a piece of it. Um, the free food analogy at Google or, you know, if a place provided you housing, that's not the sum total of your compensation, the sum total of your allowable comp- compensation. Um, my issue with the NCAA is it operates like a cartel um, and it's this closed box where there's only certain amounts that are allowed. Um, you should be allowed to have your name, image and likeness. And I think beyond that, um, the universities themselves should be allowed to pay you a wage and you should be able to be treated like an employee. Um, I think the rest of it uh, follows kind of logically from that, that you shouldn't just be paid in this specific thing that is determined by the business itself as um, sole. And it's not even real, you know, not to split hairs about compensation, but um, I think there should be allowed quite a bit more than that. All right. All right. Next up, we've got Chris from Seoul, a possible podcast mission for the never ending offseason. Really stinks there is no fall Pac-12 football. Oh, well, more time for podcasts. Uh, Dave is renowned for having opinions on any and all subjects, the firmness of said opinions being inversely proportional to his knowledge of the subject. Yeah, probably true. Uh, With that inspiration, how about a mission for the podcast until football returns? Let us raise up a temple to the cult of mediocrity. Do nothing by halves, which can be done by quarters. Bonus question. Do you think that William Lyon Mackenzie King was one of Canada's best prime ministers? King was Canada's longest-serving prime minister in office longer than FER. He was around for the Roaring Twenties and still there for the founding of the UN. WLMK was a bachelor, an obscurantist, 
and believed that he communicated with the dead, including people he never knew, such as British statesman uh, William Ewart Gladstone. He is so venerated his mother and father that it ver- he, is, he so venerated his mother and father that it verged on ancestor worship. King attributed supernatural significance to mundane events such as his own bowel movements and believed that his Irish terrier Pat was a divine spiritual messenger in his life. Affectionately yours, Chris from Soul. That's so from the Roaring Twenties till essentially through World War II, he was the prime minister and was a nut job. That is awesome. That's great. Um, I don't know anything anything about canada like zero about canadian history i have had yeah. absolutely no interest so this is great i'm happy about this it is cool i yeah I, I would be in the same boat i don't know uh anywhere no but uh he sounds very like kim jong-un or something right yeah, like, that sounds really great i love that um and this is an yeah. email from south chris korea from but you know korea but yeah chris from seoul okay well, uh cool. Yeah, about I mean, the, we, can, like, we can definitely go for mediocrity. I don't know. Was the, was the question, should we have a mission to just be mediocre? Like the says, original question? Because he only has a bonus question. Like, what's the actual question here? I know it was like the, you had the, you know, let us raise up a temple to the cult of mediocrity, do nothing by halves, which can be done by quarters. But I mean, that's pretty much the mission statement of this show. I think that's what he was saying. So, do we need this to be the mission statement? And I'm like, ah. Yeah, I'm fine with that. We should get that um, recited by somebody with a British accent and have that be the new um, theme of the show. Ooh, I kind of like that. That would yeah. be good. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, uh, Chris uh, from Seoul. That was a. That, it makes me want to read more about it. I started reading the uh, the book about the the badass president. So it just goes through each one, and uh, I'm just early on. I haven't read. I haven't dug into it, but there's some cool stories in there. Cool. Um, uh, La Botra Noir which is like the black box uh, in French. Um, is that Bolte? I don't know. I don't know. I, I got nothing for you. I'm not sure he said. This is from our buddy Hitlerday. Uh, Thanks to the multiple Washington fans who wrote in last week to inform us that their team previously employed an offensive line coach who was incompetent in a different way. After all, that could be the Pac-12's motto. We got two mottos. We got the mediocrity motto, and now we got the... Uh, be incompetent in a different way. Uh, they echoed. I'm sorry. Exciting. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, they echoed a common refrain I've encountered when discussing any clearly underperforming unit that the coach of that position group is quote, a great recruiter, but not a developer. Just about every fan base in the league believes their team is, or recently was employing at least one such coach. Let's uh, this has been going on for like a month now, hasn't it? Um, oh yeah. The uh, offensive line coach. Uh, What's the opposite of riveting? <laughs> well, I, I feel bad because like we're reading people's emails back and forth and it's like one week at a time. It's like the Pony Express. Like there, this is what it was like. Like you're trying to you know, discuss something with uh, your lady friend, you know, seven towns over. And this it, does it's, seem it seems a little inefficient to have have your letter writing campaign to each other be read out loud on a show you may or may not listen to by two people who cannot read. <laughs> it's pretty funny. That's what we do. This could be a better Twitter argument. I think there could do a little more back and forth, but we're, I guess we're going to plow ahead. Let's set aside the logical inconsistency here. Uh, the first job in recruiting is evaluation and it's more likely than uh, it's more likely that such a coach simply brought in the fool's gold 
that comp- competitors avoided because I'd like to know if fans are really assigning credit and blame to the right people. Oh, that's a fucking mouthful. Okay. Uh, I think fans assume that a kid is almost always talking to his prospective unit coach and that if a group has a good or has good or bad recruits, it can be isolated to that particular assistant. Is that true? Or are responsibilities divided up by other factors like geography and demographics? Um, it depends on the on this on the program, but more than more often than not, um, the initial contact is done by like a regional coach, like the person who's in charge of that region. And then it really depends on the staff and it depends on the individual assistants where the assistant coach picks up then, where the actual position coach picks up the recruitment and does more of it. Um, but it almost always starts with the regional, that guy who's assigned to that area with those local high schools. You know, he makes the rounds. He knows the people there. Um, he'll identify guys or be told about guys. And then that gets passed along up the chain to the position coaches. And it depends on the staff. Sometimes the position coaches will sign off on offers. Sometimes it has to go all the way up to the head guy. Um, and then, you know, the position coach will often uh, take over a, a bigger amount of the recruitment after some, you know, indefinite period of time. Sometimes it'll stay with the unrelated recruiter, though. Um, kind of depends on the relationship. It depends on you know, if he knows the family well or all that kind of stuff. But it usually starts with a regional guy and then goes position at some point thereafter. Yeah. And it, it, it a lot of it depends on the prowess of, you know, everyone on your staff. So you have a group of 10 guys that can go on the road recruiting. And if it's an important recruit and the offensive line coach maybe isn't really good at recruiting, but the defensive line coach is and he's in that re- like you might move guys around or have someone come help. Um it's, you know, everyone's different and it's just, it's different way. Every team has things set up a little bit differently. So yeah, you can't just say he's an offensive lineman, the offensive line coach recruited him. Um, most likely the offensive line coach had a a lot to do with it, but it's not that you can't, it's not across the board. Um, and his second point, we try to address this a little bit, the 24 seven sports page for any given prospects list, the primary and sometimes secondary recruiter for each school. Uh, in your boys' experience, how accurate are these? Do sites really put in a lot of effort to figuring out who's talking to whom and correcting it if cha- if it changes over time? Would a database that parses how often a coach signed a prospect for whom he was the listed as the recruiter be useful or misleading? Um, in macro, I think it's broadly pretty useful. Um, I think there is some value to it. Uh, depending on the school and depending on the recruit, um, I know in the past at UCLA, some squeaky wheels have gotten the grease. Um, assistant coaches might text you a bunch of times saying, Hey, I'm actually the primary on this guy, or, Hey, I'm actually involved in this recruitment. Can you put my name on there? Um, and they may or may not be, or they may or may not be like the third or fourth guy on that guy. Um, but they want a little bit of credit because, and this is a key thing. A lot of assistant coaches have recruiting stuff built into their contracts. Yeah. Um, they want the credit for this stuff. They want to know, they want everyone to know that they were the primary or the secondary on X number of five stars, X number of four stars, all that kind of stuff. So they are very interested and motivated in getting this information out to um, all of the different um, recruiting writers out there. So I would say broadly, pretty accurate. In micro, you're going to find instances where it's not. So I would say like any kind of, uh, you know, assessment like this there's a it's a definitely not a pure statistical quantitative thing 
Um, there's a fail rate. There's definitely not. There's definitely some element where this is going to be wrong, but I think it's broadly useful-ish. And I think if you built some, you know, what you were talking about in the last line, built something that parsed how often a coach signed a prospect for whom he was listed as a recruiter, some coaches will be, that'll be misleading. But broadly, I think that would be useful. Yeah, I agree with you. And Hitler, just to like give you a sense, this isn't, if you're looking at a database and there's a lot of information when you're looking at a player database in the 24-7 sports thing, you might see there could be an evaluation from Greg Biggins that he might have wrote three years ago that you know maybe doesn't apply today. The guy was a cornerback then, he's a running back now. Or it was a 40 time from some Nike camp from two and a half years ago. And you, you, know, and it, you don't really know how accurate it is. What Dave said is true. These assistant coaches care about that. They will call you. They will text you. They will, you know, call Biggins or Huffman or whatever and go, hey, why is this person listed there? I was the one recruiting him. I'm not saying they all do, but they care about it. It is something. It's not a, an afterthought. It's not just thrown up there. They just put, oh, who's the offensive line guy? We put an offensive line coach. At least what we do. I know we try and bro and, and I think a lot of the Pac-12 schools, you try to keep that as accurate as possible, who is the primary guy uh, for the, you know, for these recruits. And, you know, you got a guy like Dante Williams at USC was, you know, PAC 12 uh, recruiter of the year or whatever for, for Oregon. And he's looking the same way at USC. And it's, it's because he's involved in a lot more guys than just the cornerbacks that he would be coaching. So I would say it's, you know, it's not inaccurate. Uh, it's not perfect. Like nothing's perfect, but it's certainly used. And you know, that the, the coaches themselves care about it, they're going to do what they can to try to make it accurate and maybe, you know, skew it in their way, but there's enough attention on it that you will pay attention. You'll make a switch. You will. It's not going to like, we put it up there and walk away. Yeah. It it's, not, it's not stagnantly created by the position group. That's, yeah. that's probably the best thing. That's why it's somewhat accurate yeah. because it's not just, Oh, he's an offensive lineman. So we're putting the offensive line coach's name there. It's, Okay, who do we know is recruiting him? Who is he talking about in his interviews? You know, what assistant coaches reached out to us to let us know that he's recruiting him? You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then three, can individual components of a recruiting apparatus be objectively evaluated at all? Or is this yet another thing in college football where all responsibility runs uphill to the head coach for assembling a good overall staff and how it actually works is a black box? I mean, I think it's unfortunately a lot of that. Like, I think... You can have, um, and a lot of it is also locally based. Um, Marcus Tuiasosopo, I don't think has like turned out to be a phenomenal recruiter, but he certainly was at USC because pretty friggin' easy to recruit well at USC. Don't tell Clay Hilton last year, um, <laughs> but it's pretty easy to recruit, right? Like it's you're not selling like Iowa to people, you're selling USC. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's you have to judge relative. It's a lot of relative judgments. It's a lot of relative to the last staff. It's a lot of relative to your win totals. Like what are you doing relative to expectations is the way you have to judge it. But I don't know how minute you can get um, without getting into anecdotal evidence, which always gets me a little bit, a little bit squeamish. You know, I heard stories of UCLA coaches who offered the wrong guy. Like they went on a recruiting trip and they offered the wrong guy because they were paying so little attention to what they were doing. Or they said something uncouth in an in-home meeting with a family um, or did something untoward. I've heard stories about that. That tells me that person's a bad recruiter, but that's not quantitative. That's, you know, it's it's an anecdotal assessment. I think that's more where you get into it, because I think when you're judging 
a school's result in recruiting because of what we just talked about with how recruiting works, where there's a lot of hands involved a lot of times with specific recruits, it's hard to judge any individual coach. Um, I think you can say some guys are really good recruiters if they're doing an outsized job at a place where it's harder to recruit or they're doing a relatively good job compared to other people in terms of they're assigned to eight guys and they're getting, you know, X number of five stars or four stars a year at a, in a situation where previously guys weren't coming in at that level. Um, but just like Joe average recruiter, um, I don't think it's hard to like gauge him against Joe below average recruiter. It's just, it's a much more difficult thing I think to assess. Yeah. It's, it's not a black box, but it's not completely transparent. And I'll, I'll give you a good example. Um, USC hadn't been hiring, you know, great assistant coaches and like out of the blue in 2018, they hired Dylan McCullough, uh, who was in Indiana and he got, he had three or four guys running backs. He's a running backs coach, three or four guys go in the NFL. He was there for a significant period, like five or six years or something recruited dudes from sec country and was able to get them in and, and develop them and turn them into NFL running backs. And USC hires him, and uh, you know he was only there one year. He left for the Chiefs after that. But talking to him, he was just like, it's so much easier to recruit at USC than it is at Indiana. And there were guys that went on to like NFL careers that went to like Auburn or LSU that came back later and said, "Man, I wish I would have went with you." But it was in Indiana. Like he had to pull teeth to try to get kids to come there. And if he would have stayed at USC for five or six years, I'm sure he would have put a whole bunch more guys in the NFL. I mean, that's just you could tell he was really good. At recruiting and he was really good at developing running backs. He was just good. He was a good running backs coach. And that's something you can see, like not every coach is going to be like that, but that's something you could tell. And it, you, he proved it at a place where it's not easy to recruit. And then he didn't have as much opportunity as a place that was easy to recruit, but some are more, you know, if you're not as good, then you might not be given the full reign either. Like where you have other coaches that are better around you sort of like, you know, envelop some of your re- recruiting responsibilities. Cause that's not really where your strength is. So, it's not a black box, but it's it's not transparent either. But some you can see some like you know Dante Williams was really good, or you knew Dylan McCullough was really good, or you know it just depends. Yeah, yeah, it's and that's a it's an unfortunate answer. We can't give you something absolute, but I think this yeah. is one where it really is kind of squishy. Yeah, you can't put um, this on a, a spreadsheet. Sorry. No, no <laughs> spreadsheets. Um, all right, this is revised slogans from John. Uh, hello, Ryan. Hello, Dave and Ryan. Uh, it's true. The podcast of champions was built for this pandemic and the cancellation of the Pac-12 season. You are the only college football podcast hosts I've listened to that aren't panicking. Perhaps this is because you both find the season is somewhat annoying and view it as a necessary evil that gets in the way of more interesting subjects. This is going to be fun. I'm proud to be a Pac-12 fan, and as much as I will miss football, it's nice to know the conference put other people's interests and well-being ahead of their own. The conference of champions indeed. What an optimistic and nice way of putting it. I love that. Yeah, nice here are some alternative slogans for the three power five conferences that insist on playing football with fans in attendance in the fall. Big 12, every game matters more than the health and well-being of others. SEC, it just means more or less we don't give a shit about anyone else. <laughs> ACC, we do this because we don't give a shit about anyone else. <laughs> Love it. Very good. Uh, On to a more distracting topic from the previous episode. If you could come back as an animal, what would you choose? I always thought I would be a dolphin until I heard Dave's reasoning about coming back as a dog. And I thought to take it another step, I would come back as a dog as long as my wife could be my owner. I would... (laughs) 
<laughs> things are getting weird, John. Uh, I would get all the things I wish I had now. She would feed me, rub my belly, let me sleep in her bed without oh God, without having to spend a Saturday afternoon picking out tile or going to a Friday night murder mystery party hosted by her sister. I would just get to stay home and lay around and wait for her to come home. It would be fantastic, so I'm with Dave on that one. I'll be a dog. Thanks for all you do. Will you please still find a reason to play the school sound drops? John and Brea. Nice. Well, he's uh, I know where he is. USC Trojan. We'll play Dave's what a, favorite. What Colorado a Buffalo. What a fantastic email. That, that was so good. Uh, here's another one. Oregon State Beavers. Uh, that was for Hitler Day. He's a big Oregon fan, right? Is that, Did I get that wrong? I think he's a big Washington guy. Oh, he's, oh, let's do that. Yeah, Washington Huskies. There we go. Yeah, our friends Andrew and Shane, they're big Oregon guys. Oh, we'll play for them. Oregon Ducks. Nice. <laughs> and I love I love my Chase Carver, so. California Golden Bears. And who can forget Chip Kelly? Uh, we got to do that one. UCLA Bruins. Well, this is what the best mascot, right? Stanford Cardinal. Uh, and then, you know, I love going to the Dutch. I'm going to go uh, golfing in uh, Scottsdale soon. So Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> and we got to play this one. Arizona Wildcats. Yep. Best wishes to Lou Olson, you know? Yeah. I uh, know. It's unfortunate. And then uh, we do have two for our last. I saved this for last because we got two of them. Washington State Cougars. <laughs> The original, and then the new and improved. Washington State Cougars. There you go. Well, we had ex- John, we had an excuse for all of those. Okay, oh man, this is long. All right. Uh, whose hero is super? Ryan and David David. Uh, it's SLTDMD from the Bro Premium Message Board. Had to introduce myself like that because David Wood said that all the suck fans always say they're from the P. And the Bruin fans never say they're from BPMP, Bro Premium Message Board. Okay. He's got some grammatical things going on. We're just going to skip over those. Uh, since we're months away from any Pac-12 football and you guys are in need of content, I thought I'd lend you a non-Disney princess-related hand. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, the following is a list of 12 superheroes with a brief just, description. I, I want everyone to know, this email is... I, I think approximately 4,000 words long. <laughs> With, I mean, how many grammatical errors have you seen scanned so far? Like, there's a whole bunch. Like, I it's don't think super, like, superheroes are not possessive. I mean, okay, whatever. Uh, with a brief description of each. For each superhero, please pick the Pac-12 team that most embodies that superhero's attributes. Choices must be unanimous by both hosts. In the case of a deadlock, the winner must be chosen by arm wrestling each other. All right, well, we're socially distant, so we can't do that. Um, he says, good luck, a suggestion, Lightly read all the story, Ryan, <laughs> read all the, I think I could, well, I don't know. I'm pretty strong right now. We'll see. I'm, I would have as good a shot as any to beat you right now. So we'll see. Um, a suggestion, uh, read, read all the descriptions first, then go back and assign the teams. I, I think it's really, actually, we should just pick a team as we go. Cause yeah, it's, yeah. there's a lot going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he sort of gives, I think he gives clues to what he wants us to pick. So hopefully it won't be too hard. Uh, one Spider Man, 
has been played by three different white dudes in four series reboots since 20, from 2002. Okay. Mm. Nothing jumps off like... Uh, no. Like, pretty much every school has had a whole bunch of white dudes as their coaches, so I don't know... Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a largely white profession, but uh, we don't necessarily have to use the description we're talking about here. So Spider-Man... Um, Kind of a low ambition, right? He just wants to be his friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, right? Just wants to do well in his own backyard. Doesn't really have grander ambitions. Um, you want to go Clay Helton for this one, like USC? <laughs> um, I was thinking that anyway, because you got like, you know, Kiffin and Sark and well, I guess Orgeron sort of. Well, are we doing there. coaches or are we doing programs? I guess, I mean, but when you're thinking of like, because friendly superhero. neighborhood Spider-Man, you're talking like this is like a an, an Oregon State for me. So we're okay. Let's do it as the program itself. Yeah, no grander ambitions. Just trying to be, you know, be solid in your own backyard. Beat Oregon, uh, and uh, you know, win the Pac-12 every now and then. All right. And they were good back in 2002. So there's been a lot of reboots since then. So yeah. maybe okay. I'll go with that. Superman, although he has all-American good looks, Clark Kent is nebbish around girls. Uh, whichever team has chosen chosen as Superman, they have to feel comfortable running around in tight-fitting Speedos. Okay, this is, I think, obviously USC, right? So they're like the, they're You've the face Superman. of the... Um, Kryptonite is obviously um, the many, 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 many horrible coaches they've hired over the years. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they occasionally um, just run around like Clark Kent for no apparent reason for a while. Yeah. I like that. Uh, but the Superman's always le- lurking underneath because they recruited a top five level. Okay. Uh, that, that works for me. Uh, you're thinking about this in a good way. I, I, I'm not, my mind's not wrapped around this yet, so hopefully I'll get into it by number 12 or whatever. Three, Hulk. Sure, he's big, strong, and has muscles, but Bruce Banner can't always turn into the Hulk when he needs to. When he's on, he can be unbeatable. When he's not, he's just some weak dude with glasses. I think we, uh, Oregon feels like an obvious play here because of the green thing. Oh, I was thinking Stanford because of the Ooh, big, strong, and has muscles. When he's on, he can be unbeatable. When he's not, he's just some weak dude with glasses. I think that's actually more right because hulked out for a little while, but for a long, long time, just a dude with glasses. Yeah. Big nerd. Um, yeah. But, but hulked out pretty hardcore for a while. All right. And then I don't, I'm not getting this reference because I haven't seen the movie, but Fat yeah. Thor? From Avengers Endgame, not the handsome young stud he used to be. Now he's just a beer drinking has been with a beer belly, who used to date Natalie Portman. Was oh, this Thor- is this is this is UCLA. Okay. Yeah. Um. I, you know, still potential. There's still potential there. I mean, he's still like technically a god, but best years far behind him. Okay. Um. What was Fat Thor like? Was did you see these movies so, or no? Yes, I saw this movie. So this is uh, a jump ahead in time. So they had the original, the Avengers Infinity War number one or whatever the hell, and then Avengers Endgame. And there was a jump ahead in time between the two movies um, where Thor went from like Thor to being a fat layabout. Really? Yeah. Who still had like a, you know, big, whatever, hammer or axe or whatever the hell. Um, But, you know, still like a god with like lightning bolts and stuff, but not, you know, not the strength at which old old days moved heaven and earth as a. Gotcha. So he yeah. just kind of let himself go. He just like retired. Right. All right. 
Uh, number five is Wolverine. Uh, very poor decision making when it comes to facial hair combined with really sharp fingernails in need of a manicure. Tends to have, quote, anger management issues, which means he doesn't always play well with others. Okay, so Wolverine in the comic books, I'm given to understand, is actually very short and has a little bit of a short man's complex. Um, very angry, obviously. Um, his power is something that like actually kind of hurts him in the long run. Um, he can't be killed, right? Or he regenerates. He regenerates. He just can't. He can't be killed, but he does get beaten up a lot. Okay. I I, I was thinking Arizona State, but I don't know if that's. Uh, maybe that's not right. I don't know. Utah. Oh. I don't think it's a perfect fit, but I'll go Utah. Okay, unless we find something better, but let's yeah. we'll, we'll go with Utah with that one. Uh, Ant Man usually really small and mostly ineffective, but once in a while, not too often, he can really enlarge himself to a humongous size and be a giant killer. Cal? I was thinking Cal. Yeah. Yeah. That probably works. Yeah. Uh, Iron also Man. Also in the Bay Area, I think Ant Man's Bay Area local. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. I didn't see any of those. There was one like he's with like, like a hot chick in one of the movies, whatever, right? Or yeah, I don't know. Uh, I didn't see the one from Lost. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Iron Man, rich, selfish, narcissistic, arrogant snob with an overinflated opinion of himself, wears armor that's cardinal of gold. And his XAD once said, Everybody wishes they were him. When in reality, no one wants to be like him except him. Okay, sorry. This one's USC. So Um, this has to be USC. So Superman then. um, Maybe Oregon. Maybe Oregon. Or Washington. It's Oregon or Washington. Yeah. I don't know. What's what's another arrogant school? No, I think Iron Man has to like he's Yeah, he, Iron Man really is UCL or USC. At least the way he wrote it, because he talked about the AD and everything. Um right. Okay, we'll come back. Captain America used to be a 98-pound weakling, but scored some illegal PEDs and is now more roided up than Brian Bosworth ever was. So he's really meaning that for Stanford. I think he does, yeah. Shit. So. Hmm. Who's another? I mean, that could, could that be Oregon, too, I guess? I mean, Oregon would be more the Hulk. Because then you got the green thing, too. I mean, Captain America. But, like, again, Captain America, that's part of the story, but not the whole thing. We can go yeah. a different angle with it, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't think, I don't know if you thought these out. Well, let's let's keep going. We'll, yeah, yeah. Not Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy, a tree. See, this sucks. All he's missing is a band to run onto the field at the end of the game, preventing the opposing defense from tackling his team's ball carrier. Yeah, I feel like seven of these are intended for Stanford and four of them are intended for USC. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the feeling I'm getting. Uh, Groot's um, a tree uh, yeah. who regenerates. Um, can't really talk very well. Um, Colorado? Colorado? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but he's obviously intending this to be Stanford, but we have to figure right. out some others. Yeah. Okay, let's go Colorado. Black Panther. Uh, proof that unlike the NFL, Marvel's version of the Rooney Rule actually works the way it's supposed to. I, 
so Black Panther is um, a guy who wears a suit who can do a lot of cool stuff um, in Africa with special technology. Special technology. I mean, Black Panther, I think, is the obvious organ one now. And so I don't even know where we are on this. Yeah. At all. That's all right. Well, we're trying hard. to give our best guesses for each one. And that's we're not going to go back and like. No, we can't. Yeah. Uh, Eleven War Machine. I don't even know who this is. Black dude. This is or, Iron Man, but just uh, it's a a black army guy instead. Is this Don Cheadle? Yes. Okay. Uh, black dude in a suit that is designed by Iron Man that looks like an Iron Man suit, but just a different color. Proof that just like the NFL, Marvel's Rooney Rule rarely works like it's supposed to. No idea. No clue. I am. I have no idea. And then uh, Batman. You get two choices. Tim Burton's Batman, cartoonish, over-the-top clown-like behavior, kind of like TV's version of Batman, Adam West, or Christopher Nolan's Batman, depressed, dark, rotting, uh, always pissed off, kind of like TV's version of the pissed-off Batman, Walter White from Breaking Bad. I don't know what we're supposed to do here. We have to, okay, we pick we one of them. We have to pick one, and then we, we analogize? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> God. So complicated. We don't need these complicated emails. Not at the end of the show. Not at the end of the show. Um, dude, I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman is a very depressed person. I, he's just a dude in a suit. I feel like I had a good handle on this question and the question type early on, and now I'm losing it. Yeah. Like, four of these guys are just regular dudes who wear stuff. Um, Washington State. That's Christopher Nolan's Batman. Thank you. Okay. I like that. Well, anyway, uh, that was from your, your boy on bro. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, All right. This is from uh, KC from Tacoma. Washington O-line. Great. <laughs> Hi, guys. KC from Tacoma. So thoughts on the O-line? God, no. Let's get back to stupid distractions. Who wins in a fight between Ewoks and Hobbits in A, a bar fight, <laughs> B, a tag team wrestling match, or C, all-out epic battlefront? Okay. I want to touch that before we even get into the rest of it. Okay, so we have Um, Ewoks. Okay, so Ewoks and Hobbits. Ewoks fucked up Imperial Stormtroopers. They did. Owned them with, I think, rocks, sticks, and like bow and arrows that like didn't penetrate their armor. And And like some ropes ropes and stuff. Ropes, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And And Hobbits Hobbits are kind of lazy, right? Hobbits just walked around. Like that entire movie, that entire book. Good God. Have you read those, Lord of the Rings? Yeah, back in the day. Oh, my God. The Frodo and Sam chapters, where they're, like, from two towers on, just slowly moseying into Mordor. And then they're slowly moseying and talking and talking the whole way about, oh, I wish this burden. Uh, I'm so sad. And then they throw the ring in. I skip those every single time I reread those books. I love those books. I skip those chapters Every time. It's like the Dagobah scenes. The Luke Dagobah scenes. I will never watch those again in my life. I'm never spending a second watching those things. They're useless. Worthless. I'm not going to do it. What about the cave? Oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, my dad was always like, oh, the, the redeeming factor there is, uh, you know, Shelob's lair, the, the big spider thing. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's like one dreary, like, torture session. And then... Just more wandering and whining and talking. And then, uh, I'm going to throw the ring in. No, I'm not. Eh, just get it over with. Just spend more time with Aragorn doing all his stuff. Come on. 
Nice. Get out of here. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is, no, hobbits aren't going to win in a fight. Okay, hold no on. Way. Well, we got to go three to one. A bar fight. Okay, so, bar fight. Bar fight, hobbits probably have the best chance because we don't I think know so, about Ewoks. they're drinking a lot. Yeah, that's the thing. We don't know about Ewoks' alcohol tolerance. Hobbits, yeah. they're drinkers. Um, so I think I would give it, if the hobbits get anything, they get a bar fight. That's like home field advantage. So I'm going hobbits on the bar fight. B, a tag team wrestling match. Uh, this is where I think you go Ewoks because as we saw in the battle on Endor, uh, the Ewoks, they know how to do teamwork. Oh, they you know, were, like they the were paired up all over the kinda, place. The hobbits are always kind of bitching at each other. You got Frodo and Sam always just whining at each other because of the power of the one ring. Wah. And the, But then you've got like Meriwether and Pippin. They're just sniping at each other all the time. Yeah. So you don't I'm want going, that. Yeah, tag team. We've saw, that, I mean, that the whole Empire, yeah, I mean, uh, Return of Jedi, there was a lot of tag team going on from the Ewoks. So right. I'm, I'm going with them. And then see all out epic battlefront. I think this is obvious. Um, it's Ewoks. Yeah, we've not seen any, you know, Hobbit collaboration. We've seen we it. We haven't seen a Hobbit Ewoks. army. We've seen an, an Ewok army, or at worst, a battalion. We haven't yeah. seen a battalion of Hobbits. We've seen, <laughs> we've seen, I think at most four Hobbits working in concert. Right. Um, and that's just not enough information to go on. So, got to go Ewoks on everything except for the bar fight, and that's more of a just an ignorance thing because we don't know about their alcohol tolerance. And we're assuming if you're talking about a bar fight. The thing that gets you aggressive in a bar is the drinking. So is the alcohol, yeah. Yeah, we just don't know. All right. Um, I'm sure the Pac-12 in general and even UW fans hopefully should not want to hear any more about it. And if they do, just wait to hear, <laughs> just wait to read Hithliday's Century Retrospective series <laughs> on UW O-lines that would make Ken Burns consider his documentaries a short romp. For a frontline healthcare worker who needs stupid distractions, hard lean into that Disney princess territory. I believe in you, Dave and Ryan, and go Cougs. Yes. Thank you, Casey. Hey, thanks for your service, Casey. Thanks for being a uh, frontline worker. If you if you thought you're like, oh, this, a couple months we'll be done with this. Like, nope. <laughs> Jeez. Never. We're never going to be out it's of this. It's apparently never going to be done. Yeah. Um, well, hey, good stuff. There was lots of, uh, lots of little... Somewhat newsy items, and then lots of good questions, lots of good reviews. And, lots of uh, good, no bad. Yeah, I was, I was pretty. Uh, Our pretty finest pleased. show in at least a week. It was, yeah. Uh, I did, you know, I, it was. Did you see Mike Yam uh, tweet like after the layoff stuff? It's just like you just feel bad because he knew that was coming. He knew there was more people going to get laid off, but I didn't realize it was going to be that many. But man, that's just that's just tough. Brutal. Absolutely. We, we take our shots at the network, but like the people there that we've, you know, interacted with and stuff have already been great, you know, so. Yeah, it's a real shame. All right. Well, I guess that'll wrap it up. Uh, his name is David Woods. Uh, my name's Ryan Abraham. We do appreciate you listening and we can be a distraction for you during these crazy times. Uh, all that That's great. Makes us feel wonderful to do it. So for David, I'm Ryan. Thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 